There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with Riskwell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's going on, you guys? Welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, James Jenkins. And joining me for this episode is a friend and colleague, former Farmers Agents, uh, Benito Ortiz. Uh, he is from New Mexico. He is the agency principal at Strategic Insurance Group. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate you joining me here. It's always good to get FaceTime with yet another just outstanding professional in the independent side of the insurance game that we're all playing. Benito, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really glad to get this uh, interview done. You and I have been talking for like two years, man. Uh, yeah, we were yeah. we we were both still farmers agents when we met, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting to have this dialogue now. So. Hey, <laughs> same thing we always do. I want to start off just by uh, getting some backstory on you. Let's just love a, you know, a few minutes of who you are and where you are in the life cycle of all of this and what you love most about where you're at and, and this stage right here. So take it away, man. Tell us who you are. All right. All right. So yeah, uh, like you said, my name is Benito Ortiz uh, out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Lived here for the past 15, 16 years now. Um, and, uh, and, and I started off with farmers, like you said, uh, jumped in as a seed agent with, uh, with absolutely zero experience. My insurance was still with my parent under my parents' policy at the time and, uh, and, and just jumped right in. But prior to that, I, uh, I ran a print shop here in town. Uh, we printed custom notepads, shipped them all over the country. It was a really cool gig. I really learned how to go from a garage to a 12,000 square foot facility, from me being the only employee to having 25, uh, 27 guys underneath me. So I really learned the process on, on, on scaling a business at a young age. I was 17, 18 years old. And when I was 23, um, took the, took the plunge. I, I left a six-figure job as a 23-year-old kid with no college degree, uh, no other real professional experience on my resume, and jumped into trying to figure out how to how to build a business for myself. So I I, I left um, the 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 print industry. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I loved sales. I've always loved uh, communicating with people, getting to know people you know, trying to bring value to a relationship prior to getting an ask. That's something I've always been fascinated with. And I think what's really played into, you know, whatever success that strategic insurance has created for itself is we provide value up front, whether we're going to get paid for it or not, no matter what, it doesn't matter. You know, value comes first on our side. And so jumping into a sales role, I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, looking at real estate, looking at mortgages. But my in-laws had been prior farmers agents, uh, funny enough, and you know, had encouraged me to look at that as an opportunity. And so when I started looking at it, I was actually, I got recruited and was going to go work for an Allstate agent, started studying for my license. And, you know, some recruiter from farmers called me, suckered me in, and uh, and I, I ended up having a good run there. We I spent just under three years with them. Um, really, really learned a lot as far as running an agency, um, both as a positive thing and as a negative thing from how from my experience there. And uh, I think that's really shaped how our agency is built and, uh, and at the speed that we run with. 
man, great intro. Thank you for that. And uh, I, I, a little bit of a change of pace from previous episodes. I had someone make a suggestion just for the, the benefit of the audience because the people listening to this podcast come from just a huge, huge, huge variety of backgrounds. Uh, different carriers, obviously different parts of their journey. Some are still captive. Some are in the middle of the transition. Some have been independent for a long time. But it's really helpful, according to a couple of people, and I agree with it. It's a good suggestion that I'd be asking all of my uh, guests on the show just for some quick demographics. You know, your agency, your mix between commercial and personal lines. Are you doing other things like life, health, disability, supplemental accident, Medicare, dot, 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 uh, book volume? What's your team like? Is there any niche that you've selected for yourself? Is there anything special? unique about the way that you guys do business. So I'll ask you just those things. If you can just really quickly rattle off uh, most of what I just said, I think you probably get the idea. Tell yeah, me about yeah. just the basic demographics of Strategic Insurance Group, uh, where you guys are at right now in your life cycle. Absolutely. <clears throat> so our agency is um, basically 15, 16 months old at this point. Uh, we just crossed the $2.4 million mark as far as premium goes. Currently, we're 80% uh, 80% personal lines, 20% commercial. We just brought on our first all commercial producer, so hopefully that uh, that 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 percentage starts uh, evening out. When I when I cast the vision for this agency, it was much more of a 60-40 split. Um, as far as a niche goes, we really really play in the home purchase, home refinance space. Uh, our book is very different compared to most of my peers in that we are actually very monoline home heavy. Um, as far as any monoline policies that we do have is actually monoline home heavy. Um, we partner with about seven different loan officing or loan mortgage offices here in town. And, um, you know, really play into into that space is, is really where our bread and butter is. Any commercial prospects that we've gathered have come from from cross-selling that. So it sounds like you have decided that monoline is a great way to go for now. Uh, do you have plans in the future to aggressively cross-sell that large monoline book? Have you thought about that from a business plan perspective? Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, I think where a lot of that comes in, we do, we do ask for the auto at, you know, at time of binding, but it's not something that I believe should defer or change how we interact with the customer, whether it's going to be monolined or a bundled package. Um, in, in my humble opinion, um, people only know what they know and they're, they're at where they're at in life. And yeah. it's not my, my place or my uh, position to judge them or say, well, you know, Root is, is a crappy company or whatever, you know, whatever company that they're with is their prerogative. At the same time, yes. So we have uh, automation sequences. We also have, we're really staffed up uh, in order to create a seamless transition where we are getting our six touches with the customer per year to, you know, to try and cross sell, to try and add lines of business, to make sure that they have the correct coverages and all that stuff. And I know you did ask about staff, so I'll, I'll touch on that real quick. Um, so I have six full-time employees, two service three personal line sales, and then one full-time commercial like I spoke about. And then me kind of as a business owner perspective, uh, big, a big thing for us this year was moving me out of production. Um, for the past probably year and a half, I had been slowly moving out of personal lines, uh, was still writing a decent amount. However, at the start of this year, I, you know, I said, all right, I'm out of personal lines. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, my goal was to write less than 20 policies for the year. And I think I'm at eight so far. So I'm on track uh, in the right direction. So trying to remove myself from the personal lines division. Um, and then now that we had brought in a commercial producer, trying to slowly move myself out of commercial as well to the point where I can just be a, an agency owner, do the handshakes and kissing babies and that stuff and, and, uh, and let, let the girls thrive in what they do. No, you want to be the rainmaker. I hear what you're yeah, doing. That's yeah. fantastic, man. I, you know, I love it. No, I love it. You want to sprinkle that fairy dust on your team. <laughs> no, that's awesome, that's dude. It. Man, you know, there's so many good questions and dovetails for this interview that comes out of this. I think a lot of people listening recognize 
the value of exactly what you just said. I don't mind saying it. I'm still involved in production, but it's 100% commercial. Uh, mm -hmm. I definitely look forward to a day when I'm only working the accounts that I want to work, where somebody is handling the day-to-day -day commercial uh, line side of the business. Um, two, th two quick things there, and then we'll move on to, to other line of the interview. Uh, one, in, in the first sense, is how did you go about stepping out of production? Because it, it takes a lot of intentionality. You got to be staffed correctly, as you just said. What did it look like when you started to leave production? How did you transition? Uh, what, what those activities used to be? And then the second question, um, I guess 1A and 1B, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Just the average day, the actual activity that you're doing. If you're not, obviously you're not servicing, I hope not. You're not like no, handling no. claims. <laughs> so you're not quoting, you're not closing, you're not servicing, you're not doing claims. I know our listeners would love to hear what does it look like when you step out of production? How do you contribute in a material way to your team? So two questions and take that however you want to. All right. All right. So I'll start with the first one. The biggest thing that allowed me to see that path and then move towards it was reading the book Traction. I know it's a, it's been a hot topic, you know, running through the, uh, uh, the independent space I, I yes. see in all the Facebook groups. Um, and, and, so when I read that book, I really started looking and implementing the core values. That was one thing that I think has really helped our company culture the most was our culture is built on winning. You know, I, uh, I always tease, but I have a three-year-old son. And uh, when he leaves the office every day, his, his, um, his goodbye to all the staff people is, all right, go sell some stuff. And from a young age, that's that's what I've taught him because I, I think so many agents in in from my experience, especially in the captive space, when when I was more involved in other agents' operations and trying mm -hmm. to help them train, they're so focused on what they don't know. They're so focused on what could go wrong. They're so focused on um, playing safe, and there there's a there's a Find balance there between playing safe and doing the right thing and having the, the customer's uh, well-being consistently in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the same time, we're a sales organization and everybody that comes to work for me understands that from day one, we are a sales organization. Customer service, you're still expected to figure out how to cross sell. You're still expected how to bring, expected to figure out how to bring new lines into our business. And we're going to give you the playbook. It's not like I'm saying, hey, you know, you got to sell 30 policies this month. Go figure it out. Yeah. My, my agency is set up very differently where my, my production team actually doesn't go out and hunt for themselves. They create relationships and they nurture those relationships and they have time to do that at the same time. It's my job as the rainmaker to make the phone ring. Everybody in our agency should be selling forty to fifty thousand dollars in premium at minimum at personal lines premium, and we're a small premium state. 40 That's to a lot 000. of premium in New Mexico. It, For those of you that don't know, Texas literally <laughs> next door to Mexico on average is about three hundred percent higher for the same type of policy than New Mexico. 40 to 50 grand per person in New Mexico, that ain't small, bro. Props to you for that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Hold on a second. It, you deserve a round of applause real quick. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good deal. You know, the biggest thing is that it, everybody knows expectations from day one. Everybody's held to the same expectations. There's no favoritism. Everybody, we use a round robin system for leads in, our, in my office. Mm -hmm. And... You know, but everybody, it, it's it's me coming to work every day. I'm usually the first one there. Sometimes not so much, especially with the two-year-old or three-year-old at home. Uh, but most days, I'm there before everybody gets there, and I'm there when everybody leaves. And one thing that I've seen is that's created a sense of loyalty in in my office to where I don't ask people to work weekends. I don't ask them to pick up the call, pick up the phone on the weekend, but. I always it it never fails. I always still get that same smile and that same sense of satisfaction when I see from you know from agency Zoom a uh, a lead come in as as closed on a Saturday or a Sunday because mm. I know that they that my my team is willing to work as hard to accomplish our goals as I am. 
No, that's uh, awesome, so that's that, that's number one is is creating that company culture, making sure expectations are set, held, and everybody's holding the line. Um, and then the second question, remind me of it one more time. No, what is what is your day to day like? How what do is you my, go yeah. about? You you and I both use the same terminology, so I love that. Yes, <laughs> I, I would like to hear exactly what does it look like for you and your team for Benito to be the rainmaker. How do you monetize your actions and activity in an effective way for your team? So most most of my day is still is building relationships, whether that's new loan officers. Um, new, you know, real estate agents, new commercial real estate agents. That's where a lot of our commercial business comes from. So we're, we're big in the LROs here in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so most of my day out is, is set up on that. Just touching base, just, and getting people involved in our business. I, I am not ashamed to say there's times we're really close to a goal and we're three days out from the end of the month. And I'm calling loan officers like, hey, I really have this goal to hit. You know, it would really mean a bunch to my team if you can help us out hit this. And it's amazing to see the buy-in from other people. If you ask them to be involved in your business, all of a sudden it's no longer a an obligation to send Benito a quote. It's no longer an obligation to be involved in our business. It's here's an opportunity for me to strengthen a relationship with with you know what I consider the best uh, new, <laughs> the best in, uh, insurance agency here in New Mexico, and and I, I think just getting people involved in my business is is the biggest thing for me. Um, we, we do run, I'm involved in a coaching and consulting company, um, that we help other businesses, uh, continue to, uh, to expand and to scale. But the majority of my day is just being out and about being available to help train and support my staff, uh, as they're working throughout their day, answering any questions as far as, uh, if they're working on a quote and, you know, they don't know how to, you know, they've never seen a roof like this or. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's that's really what I do. You know, so much of my day is walking around our fourteen hundred square foot office and and you know looking over people's shoulder and, and trying to help them out as well as coaching and and that kind of stuff. So I really try and stay out of uh, a routine so much as I'm here from this time to this time every day. So there should be no excuse for you to not hit your sales goals because if you're struggling. Benito has an open door. You, I'll go with you to an appointment. I'll go with you to a, a another loan office. I will I will do whatever it takes for you to be successful within our ecosystem. And that's that's what my day looks like every day. Hmm. Man, it, it's so cool to see your flavor of success and what this looks like at this life cycle uh, stage for your office. Uh, you know, you you touched on a couple of things that I would love to to just dig into a little bit before we go back into your backstory. I want to hear about your freedom jump and and what that process looked like for you. You guys are very specific to a couple of niches. And, and when you were building out the process, uh, you you started in a, a relatively well-known cluster uh, aggregator. So that that's how you got your feet wet. But you're now in the process of being fully independent where you're responsible for all of your carrier relationships Uh, the MGA contracts and whatnot. How did you go about structuring things to create this competitive environment where uh, I would imagine just from previous conversations you and I have had, you like to stack the deck in your favor. Uh, You don't play fair. You you play to win. You're not going to be nice to the competition. So how have you gone about stewarding these relationships, these opportunities, as you've entered into the uh, insurance world, or the independent insurance world, I should say, uh, with 16 months ago. Because I got to say, man, I mean, $2.4 million in premium in 16 months for New Mexico, that's pretty strong numbers. Uh, that does not happen by accident. You must be doing a lot of things right on the operations side of the house, not even talking about sales. So talk about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you're absolutely right. So, the way that I've always uh, viewed myself and viewed anybody that's going to be involved with me is, you know, we're we're here to win. I mean, plain and simple. Um, you know, I was again teased about my three year old. He's never won won a race in my house, not once ever. I will I will do what it takes to win, uh, even if it's him, because I want him to see, you know, what that looks like. 
on what it means to play to win. But oh yeah, uh, he's gonna earn that first time he beats Dad at something. <laughs> that's he, he's right. gonna feel it absolutely. That's right. Yes. Um, but uh, so as far as as far as uh, our systems or processes and things like that, I I would be lying if I said I, I was able to find somebody that uh, we were able to steal a bunch of stuff from as far as uh, systems and processes um, and that stuff. The majority of the people that I interact with uh, on a daily basis aren't in insurance at all. They're you know mostly mortgage officers or real estate agents. And so what I did was I looked at things from a very uninsurance related lens. And I looked at things from a business owner's lens from day one. And all of our systems and processes are built not for an insurance agency, but for a business. And I think that's that's the difference is what's allowed us to grow and scale as quickly as we have is that it, it would be impossible to do so if, if I ran like a regular insurance agency. We have to be streamlined. We have to do things the right way. We have to invest consistently in technology and in our client experience in order to, to be able to to get through what we have to get through on a daily basis. Um, and, and as far as the carrier relationships and stuff like that, yeah, I was, I was with a great, great group of people. I mean, I, I had gone to that group specifically because with only, you know, less than a hundred agents, they, they were controlling, you know, 200 plus million dollars in premium. To me, that's exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for a place where I was, the small fish in the room. I was the new guy. Um, you know, to this point, I have four and a half years, five years of insurance experience. Mm. I'm I'm still learning every single day, you know, how to get to the next level and play at that level. One thing that I've always consistently told my team is that the the blessing about being a part of SIG, uh, as we call it, is you know, you're gonna be valued and your opinion is gonna matter here. The curse of being a part of SIG is that every system and process that we ever build will be blown up and have to get redone in 90 days. And every, so everybody knows that expectation where there's no there's no confusion on what needs to get done and, and what direction we're moving in. Everybody knows what the plan is. Everybody knows what our book size is, how much premium we've written that month, what their goals are. You know, if there's no, there, I'm, a, I'm an open book. And, uh, and don't try and hide or, or, you know, put anything, anything, you know, hold my cards close to my chest. My team knows every card that's in the deck. Um, and, and I did the same thing with the carriers from day one. I told them exactly who I am. And, and most of them say, oh, yeah, you know, everybody says that. Everybody says they're going to come in and sell, you know, all this premium. Everybody says they're going to be the number one agency in New Mexico. We're number one with six agents, six different carriers in New Mexico currently on personal lines production. Mm. That only happens. And, and, and I love it. I love it. Cause everybody, they, they, at first you tell them what, who you are and what you're going to do. And I told them exactly who I was and what we were going to do. And they say, okay, yeah, yeah. Then you start proving it a little bit. And then you have to remind them sometimes like, Hey, remember when I said I was going to be the number one agent here in New Mexico? Well, you know, Proof is in the pudding, man. I'm 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 here and I'm here to play. And and now all of a sudden, instead of me having to go to a carrier and ask permission to sell for them, they're coming me to me and saying, Hey, you know, we heard you were rocking it in New Mexico. You know, we're opening up, you know, opening up a new line of business here. We want you to kind of be our first pilot agency. You know, what does that look like? Or how how can we be more involved in your business and more involved in your uh, with your team? And and you know, I don't, I don't really talk to the to the carriers so much anymore. They talk to my staff. I tell them, you, you know, you want something done, you want a dip, you know, an IntelliDrive, or you want us to do this, this, and this. Don't talk to me. I don't even sell personalized. I don't even sell insurance, man. I'm just a business yeah. owner here. And yeah. uh, and they, you know, they know exactly who to talk to, and they work hand in hand with my team. And that's one thing I've always seen is that the day we get training from a carrier where we get a rep, we get somebody that's bought into our business, their production within the agency starts spiking, starts going up little by little. And, you know, it, I think so much of, so many people forget people like buying things from people they like. And people like 
talking about themselves and people all my my number one sales tactic is be more interested than interesting and if you can kind of constantly keep that my carrier reps are telling me stuff in their personal lives and you know all this stuff and it's because i care i do and i and you know one of our reps called and said hey you know this little piece is tied to you know our compensation for the year you know can you help me out absolutely and and i promise you my my staff has not missed a quote without adding that and we've so we've been successful with it but being involved in trading that value back and forth and having an actual relationship not a you know hey will you sell more of this or hey you know but make it a two-way street with the carriers and all of a sudden you know it's it's a lot easier to have that conversation and to get that that pool with the carriers there is a lot of meat on that bone, man. Some people are going to need to go back and hit that back 15 seconds button a few times. <laughs> that is a masterclass in how to manage your carrier rep, for sure. Uh, good stuff there, my man. You you said something a couple of minutes ago that I want to double-click on real quick. You said everything is system, process, workflow, whatever, gets blown up every 90 days what's going on there? Tell me about that process. How do you do that without creating a lot of inefficiency in your office? Yeah. So it's, I mean, blown up, it, it maybe is a little bit dramatic. Um, tweaked, tweaked. So gotcha. what we do okay. is we have a, we have a 90 day implementation, implementation period uh, with, with any process that we put in. So, you know, and, and part of our staff meeting every week is this is our process. We're going to run this for this quarter. At the end of this quarter, we can tweak anything. We can go about it, but I don't want to hear no complaining, no nothing. You know, we've built this as a unit and we're going to run with it for the next 90 days. And and we try, unless it's something that's directly affecting the customer, obviously, um, we try not to touch or change a system for 90 days. Then day one of the next quarter, we meet, we go over, you know, what worked, what didn't work and how we can change that process uh, to better suit our needs uh, for the next quarter. But I think so many agents, they, they, they try to implement something and then you're not getting real buy-in from your staff. So, you know, and it's usually about a 30 to 45 day period to where for the first two weeks, everybody does it because, you know, they're trying to be nice and everybody tries to listen to you. Um, after that 30 day period, you start seeing some slippage, some things start falling through the cracks. There starts yep. being uh, less and less uh, holding the line. Uh, but the somebody, adherence falls to 70, 80, 90%. Right. Hopefully right. the boss then, doesn't notice. Exactly. And so one thing is that uh, what we try and do is every quarter, um, a new person is in, tra- is in charge of looking over that process. Uh, mm. what, what I think that's done is it's no longer me because everybody, you know, has to hear Benito talk and Benito tell them what to do, you know, all day, every day. But now it's a peer. Now it's somebody that has a vested interest because if you screw this up, you're messing up their time and they have to go back to fix what you've done. And because, yeah. you know, and I, 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 I hate kind of talking like this, but Benito's not going to go fix that issue. Like at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm going to be involved in fixing it, but I'm not going to do the actual mouse clicks to make that work. But the person mm. that does have to do those mouse clicks, now all of a sudden they have a little bit, a little bit of a different um, level of urgency when it comes to something like that. So getting your staff involved in holding the line has been probably one of it probably the biggest thing in our agency that's changed to where at farmers I, I didn't I didn't have this system I- implemented, but uh, I, I just I could I couldn't get the staff to stay doing what I've asked them to do for more than forty five days. So I started looking at it and I was like, all right, well it's probably because I'm talking, but I it can't be the same level of urgency when something is on fire and we need to get it done, and then it's something where. This would be nice if it's done this way. This is the most effective way to do it. If it's if it's the same voice in both instances, it becomes less efficient. Love it. Now we uh, we're at a great point in the episode for a quick commercial break. Let's hit that real quick, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about your freedom jump. So commercial, go ahead and roll. 
All right, great. I'm not sure which commercial that was, but I know it was great vendors. So on that point right there, before we we talk about the Freedom Jump, very quickly, uh, you mentioned Agency Zoom a few minutes ago, so Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's part of it. Uh, one of the most common questions that we get from listeners, from uh, from just people in the industry, is what's your tech stack look like? We're not going to spend any real time going into any of these vendors, but tell me kind of what your preferences are for the various major parts of your technology in your office. Just who are you using? Give a shout out to them, and then we'll move on to the Freedom Jump. Yeah, so Agency Zoom is a big part of our office. Um, we've been really happy with them. We also run Easy Links for rating and agency management. However, that might change uh, with us leaving the group. Uh, we were required to use them, so now we're looking at other options. Um, and then we also use Zapier daily. Um, and then okay. we use Google, uh, Google for email. Cool. Who's who's your phone provider, your VOIP? Uh, Nextiva is our VoIP. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any anything you're using for other things, you know, Microsoft, uh, SharePoint, OneDrive. Are you using uh, anybody outside for email automation or managing your website, SEO, any of those other things? No, we manage all that in house uh, through a couple partnerships. Um, but uh, and then as far as so we use G Suite um, so far email as well cool. as Google Drive. You know, between off between all uh, right uh, staff. Awesome. Cool. Thank you for that. I always know there's there's going to be questions uh, on well, what platform to use for insert here. So uh, right, right. we've added that to our, our list of <laughs> questions too, uh, just in case anybody is curious. So I want to talk about your Freedom Jump because you had a background in success on the print shop side of things. You've done entrepreneurship previous to the insurance world. So you had some background there. You were recruited into Farmers uh, instead of going to work in an Allstate office, but you opened a a seed agency with Farmers. You had some success there. That's when you and I met, back when you were towards the end of your Farmers journey. I was already on my way out. I'd already announced that I was selling and was actively looking for a buyer when you and I met in 2018. Um, Tell me about that process for you, because a lot of people listening to this podcast are still on that side of the fence or they're in transition or they're at least curious about what does it look like to leave the captive world tell me real quick what was it like sorry let me rephrase that question what was the thing that made you go okay you know what i'm out uh you know shark tank style okay i'm out Um, (laughs) what was the thing that made you go you know there's just got to be a better way yeah um actually it was an epiphany i went to an open house for a brand new mortgage company and I went to this open house. Uh, it was actually a partner that was already, I've been working with for like six, seven years already. And uh, he had a, he opened up his own branch, had, a, had an open house. I show up, there's six farmer's agents in that office. <laughs> I was like, this is, you know, granted, I'm going to get all the business out of this office. I, I don't question that. But why am I putting myself in a situation where I'm competing with, you know, there's 300, there's 300 farmers agents in New Mexico. There's only 1.2 million people here. Like it's not a big, big place, but if there's 300 farmers agents, why am I competing with that? I I couldn't, at that point in my life, I couldn't even tell you another insurance, another independent insurance office other than Brown and Brown. That was the only place I even knew about. And so I was like, why, why am I putting myself through this? Why, why am I not filling that gap? Why am I not their point of contact for all these other farmers agents that I know that I've helped train, that I've helped recruit, you know, the, the, the district manager at that time, he, he called me and would be like, Hey, you know, we're going to have lunch with this new perspective guy. I need you to come in and close him. At that point I was number four in the state in production and farmers, uh, had made toppers was on a short list for president's council. Um, and that was two and a half years into the business. I was like, how am I going to set, how am I going to tell my family, that I'm going to spend 30 years competing with all these people and not being uh, the most effective business owner that I can be for my family. You know, I had at that point, I had a young son. Um, My wife, you know, is able to only work a couple days a week and that's because she wants to. And, you know, yeah, we bled farmers blue. We, we went to toppers. We did all the, you know, the, the territory trips, all of it. And I, and I enjoyed working with the district manager that I had. 
at the same time, I knew I was also performing less than what I could. If I yeah. was if I was doing all the things that I was doing, you know, at one point in new store production, we were number 29 in the country. There's mm. 4,000 agents. And I could barely keep the lights on. Like it was, what, what am I doing here? And yeah, uh, that was uh, that was a big turning point for me. When I went to that open house was the aha moment. Uh, that was my Shark Tank. Oh, it's, I love hearing it because everybody who's left the captive world and gone independent knows the feeling of, oh, gosh. I, I don't want to be the 17th person at the Chamber of Commerce who's like, oh, okay, guys, I'm an insurance agent. No, it, it, we are in McKinney, Texas. It's about 200,000 people on the north side of Dallas. And uh, it, two weeks ago, we were in person for this Wednesday morning networking thing. And there were four farmer's agents it, in the room together in a networking thing. I'm just like, man, I don't miss that at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like you, but I just don't want to see you anymore. Leave me alone. Yeah, it's like, it's, how, uh, how do you go about talking in a networking group when you're the third or fourth person for the same company with the same products, the same pricing? And they all look and sound the same. All their talking points are copy and paste. There, yeah. There's generally, there's not really any uniqueness at all. And like, uh, it hasn't aired yet. It'll air uh, Friday. We're, we're have a our conversation with Caitlin Egger, uh, who was just a monster uh, Allstate agent. And mm -hmm. she left for different reasons than you and I left. Uh, we never got to be the really big captive agent. But the ceiling in the captive world is so much lower. I mean, right. it, to get to the elite level in the captive world, it, is, it takes a much smaller number of production and, and key metrics before you're even a blip on anybody's radar in the independent world. I yeah. mean, 10x whatever you think huge is, and that's what huge is in the independent world for you captive guys looking. I mean, the biggest agent that I know of uh, in, in Farmers is, at, I don't know what he is now, when I left Farmers, Sam Schleyhuber, fantastic agent. I don't mind naming names because Sam's a great agent. Absolutely right. top, top shelf farmer's agent. Uh, good guy too. He was, I think, 12 to 11 or 12 million in book. And he was like at the national level, like an absolutely top shelf and, and the whole country farmer's right. agent. You take him into the independent side, 11 or 12 million. Oh, that's really nice. You're a slightly above average agent that's been in business for five years. <laughs> yeah. Sam Sam had been a farmer's agent for 18, 19 years at that time. Yeah. It, it's just a completely different conversation, uh, a different flavor, of course. Uh, what is it about the, the jump? Uh, what was your experience in, in that freedom jump? How did it go? Uh, obviously, um, you went into a cluster group. I'm not going to name the group because you chose not to. So it's it's nobody's business what group you were in. They can ask you offline if they want to. For whatever reason, you picked that group. What was it about the the jump that made you think, yeah, I need to be in a cluster? Uh, I happen to agree that's a good idea. I'm in SIAA myself. Um, so I'm not in any way challenging that way of thinking. Uh, how did you go about figuring out, okay, I need to leave. I need to make this freedom jump. And then decide cluster is it, it just the metrics of making the decision of exactly how you make that freedom jump. What what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so when I was leaving farmers, I'm a I'm a, a jump first to build a parachute on the way down type guy. So I decided I was going to sell my agency. I had started looking at, at different options, um, but I'm I'm somebody I look a lot. So I looked at 17 different contracts. Mm. Um, did 17 presentations, uh, 17 hours of my life that I'll never get back. Um, and with that, I, I, you know, I started trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Like, what did I want my agency to really look like? And my my goals in my head aren't a, uh, you know, aren't a five or six million dollar agency. My goals in my head are, you know, 50 to 60, you know, type type numbers. And so I started looking at, I wanted to be involved with groups where that was attainable, um, where that was um, not legendary, not um, above, you know, some crazy overachieving type number. I wanted to be involved with people that uh, allowed me to learn from 
and and gain knowledge and gain um you know skills in order to get to that level and my so i kind of reverse engineered all of it i looked at what i wanted my agency to be when i left right i'm i'm 28 years old so i still got 45 years or so um of mm. opportunity here whether i stay in that long is is you know a different conversation i guess but um I, I, I really started looking at what I wanted my agency to look like when I left and then what I felt was going to be the best opportunity for me to do that. One of the things that I looked at was, you know, kind of how their fee structure worked, what other agents are working with them and, and you know, that kind of stuff. So um, I I was scared um, to to jump out on my own without having at least a group of people behind me that would allow me to get appointments if I needed them. Uh, but I really, really paid attention to the breakup clause. Um, that divorce clause in contracts was was the thing that I looked at the most, uh, with the most scrutiny out of all of them. And um, that's, that's how I, I landed on the group that I landed on. And uh, because I want that flexibility, I don't, I, I had been through a situation um, with farmers where it's like, yeah, you know, there's there you can't take anything with you. There's you know all these non competes and all this stuff. And I haven't been involved in a lawsuit with farmers, not as a plaintiff, but only as a witness um, against the an agent that I had uh, I had taken over for uh, during my seed contract. And so I I was very hyper aware of exit clauses and uh, termination agreements and all of that stuff. So that's really uh, kind of what I looked at. Um, and, and why I chose to go with the cluster uh, was just I wanted to I wanted to fast track my agency. I didn't want to spend two or three months, you know, trying to get appointments, you know, winding and dining carriers. I just wanted to jump in and sell insurance. It's, yep. you know, and, and so that's that was the biggest thing for me as far as why I chose to go the cluster route. No, I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I think it, it shortens the on ramp so significantly the the wine and dine thing i mean at this point in the market segment if you're a captive looking for uh, the right way to make your freedom jump man it is hard to get contracts right now so i i think at this point in just the the pendulum swinging back and forth uh, of the way that the industry works it is so much more attractive now even than 2 or 3 years ago to be looking at the cluster route because outside of that sort of arrangement Man, I don't know what you're going to get for a contract. Yeah. You can yeah. probably get progressive just because they they will give a contract to a lot of folks. A lot of the big nationals, you might be able to get a, a Safeco, a Travelers, maybe. But they're going to have a pretty huge premium requirement, uh, a production, I should say. So, honest to God, I don't even know what that side of things looks like. I never had to do the figure it out on my own side of things. We have... I actually did this in Better Agency uh, just a couple of days ago. We're cleaning up some things. Uh, we have a total of 14 personal lines contracts and eight commercial lines contracts. But every single one of those has been very intentionally selected mm -hmm. uh, for our roster. But the idea of doing it all on my own, without any resource, without any interaction, without anyone to help me with carriers do dumb things... Right. I can't tell you the number of times I've reached out to my representation with the 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 cluster, the alliance, and said, "Hey, so and so at Carrier X said or did something that just doesn't seem accurate, doesn't sound legit to me. Can you help me navigate this with them?" I mean, there's so much value to that in the first three or four years. Absolutely. Uh, you know, once you've got five million in premium, you know, six, seven, eight, whatever the target is. It's a lot easier to get contracts on your own, especially when you've got some sort of longevity to point to. So you and I are 100% on the same page there, man. Yeah, when, uh, yeah. When you look at what happens uh, now, you are in uh, month 17 from, I'm doing some simple math here, so I think that's <laughs> probably right. What do you think your biggest success is attributed to right now? There are 
There's not nearly as many in New Mexico, in, in Albuquerque, as my team calls it, Albuquerque, because <laughs> Albuquerque is my favorite thing to yep, call your city. Yep. Um, I think uh, that's probably a place. famous one, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. I've only been there one time. Is the is the famous one. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> you know, I was in Phoenix for a thing with Better Agency back in, um, back in April, and I drove uh, 40 on the way home. And stopped in Albuquerque to, I don't mind saying it, I stopped there so I could see the Breaking Bad house. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's the only time I've ever put eyes on Albuquerque. Flat with some hills and a couple of large mountain-looking things off to the east. But generally, it's a very like brown color. Like all the buildings are like different shades of earth tone. It's <laughs> it's like, man, this is the most New Mexico city I've ever seen in my life. You know, th- this is like... Walking out of a you know a, a movie set or something, it's like the essence of the Southwest of our country is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely it got its quirks. Um, but sorry, you know, so it, to answer the question, yeah, <laughs> you're having you're having a lot of success here. I totally got off topic there. I'm sorry. I got drawn off sides by thinking about your your cool town. Um, <laughs> so your success. What do you think you attribute? the most success to, if you had to boil it down, obviously your staff is a big thing. So let's mm-hmm. just assume staff is going to be your answer and take that off the table. As far as the way that you run your shop, you're 16 months in, you've had tremendous fast success. A lot of people that are looking to make the freedom jump are going to look at you and go, man, I want that. Small market state, low premium state, having a lot of success, high volume success. Help me understand what it is that makes uh, SIG, as you guys called it, a strategic insurance group. What is it that makes you guys so successful? I think the biggest thing is really working with the right mindset every single day. Um, you know, it, to take to take staff off the table is a big thing for me um, because I, I do truly believe that that's you know a, a huge portion of. of the reason why, but I think I wake up every day not waiting for somebody to tell me, "Hey, will you quote my stuff?" I don't wait for somebody to say, "Hey, you should, you know, go talk to this person or, you know, look look here for some leads or some uh, referrals." I've never been somebody to wait for anything, and I think if if an agent's in the middle of of even thinking about a freedom jump, take the plunge. Farmers isn't going anywhere. It'll be there if you if you fall on your face. It'll be there if you go back. But why not see how fast you can sprint? Why not see what it looks like to uh, take off the handcuffs and and just see what you can do? Um, and and that's what I think the one thing that's made our agency successful. It's made me successful in everything that I've uh, done has been. I don't I don't wait for anybody. I don't get outworked. Um, I, but I, I also don't wait for permission for anybody to tell me to do anything. I take it upon myself to make sure that it gets done. I take it upon myself to make sure that this relationship gets built. And I think that's the biggest thing. If, if I had to boil it down to one thing is waking up with that killer mindset every single day to, I'm, I'm going to go get, it. you know, whatever happens, happens. If I fail, I fail, you know, at the end of the day, it, what, what type of failure would I be if I didn't though? So just go out and get it. I mean, it's it's there. I think insurance is such a ripe opportunity. Um, there's so much uh, available. There's so many different niches. There's so many different things you can go uh, and and visions to cast for an agency. But just just run. Don't wait for somebody to tell you how to do it or or what's the best way or you know the the scenario is never going to be all the stars lined up. It's never going to be perfect. You just got to go sprint. You just got to go sprint, man. I 100% agree. That, that, that you're, you're head coach of the football team at this point, or our track team, I should probably say. <laughs> Love it, man. Good stuff. Now, I have one question left, and then we'll go ahead and land the plane here on this, this solid episode. And thank you again for making time for me. When, when you look at what is in front of you, uh, what's your next hill to climb? What, what's the, the next thing you're cooking on? Feel free to, you know, not share whatever super juicy thing might be not quite ready for public consumption yet, but what, what's Benito Ortiz cooking on? What, what's the next thing for you? 
Yeah, I think the next thing is is continuing to expand into other states using uh, relationships uh, in in the in the mortgage and real estate world, uh, and then you know like like we kind of spoke about before we hit record, you know really really trying to figure out how to change my commercial um, my commercial mix a little bit. Um, it, you know, we're 80, 20 personal lines right now. I'd love to be much closer to 60, 40. So how can I go out and figure out how to create the relationships that need to be created in order to get to that, you know, that metric. Awesome. No, I don't think that is something a lot of people can, uh, can relate to trying to write more commercial, more effectively, uh, is something a lot of folks are doing. Uh, one of the sponsors of our show is actually cover wallet for agents. Uh, mm-hmm. if you, uh, for those of you that haven't encountered Cover Wallet, check them out. Uh, CoverWallet.com, small commercial online rating platform, quote bind issue. There, you got some free airtime, folks. You're not even paying cash for that commercial. <laughs> hey, and I, I second that one. So, yeah, yeah. we got two. It, it's, a, it's a great platform, man. They got a lot going on for them, for sure. Hey, if, where can people connect with you? I, I, you're on social just like I am. What's your favorite platform? How, how's the best way for people to interact with you if they wanted to catch you offline and just ask a few things? Yeah, so I, uh, so I do have an Instagram. It's at underscore Benito Ortiz. Uh, I'll be honest. I think I have 12 pictures on my profile. Not, I'm there, but not, not super interactive. Uh, on Facebook, though, I, I am pretty, uh, pretty involved um, in most of the Facebook groups as far as independent agents go. But uh, always feel free, you know, request me, send me a message. You know, I'm an open book. I, I'm, I believe in throwing all the cards on the table and, uh, and, and really doing our best to help as many agents as we can, whether they're with our firm or not. Cool. No, I love it, man. If you're cool with it, I will put your contact information out there uh, for anyone who wants to reach out personally. Obviously, that's you know you can let me know if that's cool or not. Yeah, absolutely. If I don't give you uh, Benito's email or phone, then uh, please don't you know. Get, yeah, you can have search my cell phone out. number. I, I, hey, man, I'm a, I'm I'm around. So yeah, anything you know, have. we're we're averaging a little more than 500 listeners. Uh, per episode now. So uh, as this thing continues to to grow, my guests are going to be less and less down for... giving out their personal information because <laughs> next thing you know you have you know 50 people reaching out so I'm uh, cool. <laughs> man anyways th- this I'm has in. been a great time i've enjoyed your conversation dude it is so cool to be able to connect with you again as fellow ia owners uh, after our time uh, on the captive side man so hey thank you so much to my guest benito ortiz in albuquerque alba quirky alba crazy new mexico yeah. Uh, This has been great. So uh, for those of you uh, that have not already done these three things, we ask the same things every episode. Subscribe on whatever platform you're into. Drop a review. Give us 20 seconds of your life. Tell people what you like about Agency Freedom Podcast. And the most important thing, I did it. Benito's done it. There's a lot of people that are yet to do it that want to make their freedom jump. This podcast is going to help people be free from captivity. So share it with somebody that you know that needs to make a freedom jump or maybe might want to at some point. And that's it for today. Benito, thank you again for joining me. And uh, hey, guys, make it a great day, boys and girls. We will talk to you again real soon. Take care. Thanks, guys.